Welcome to Excel Boats on the X Podcast, powered by Mud Buddy Motors. I love the smell of napalm in the morning. The only podcast to bring you insights on the world of hunting, fishing, and boating. With your host, J. Paul Jackson. You don't say much, do you? Now, load up and side in. This is On the X. Welcome to the Excel Boats On the X Podcast, powered by Mud Buddy Motors. I'm your host, Jay Paul Jackson, and today I'm joined by guest co-host, Excel Boats National Sales Director and frequent guest here on the On the X Podcast, Mr. Dave Reynolds, and all the way from the Eastern Seaboard in Maryland, a really, really special guest today, the pit boss himself, Captain Jeff Coates. What's happening, guys? Very kind words. Thank you, guys, for having me on. I appreciate it. Man, you're welcome. We're delighted to have you here today. I'll tell you what, uh, excited, uh, some really exciting news that we'll announce here in just a couple minutes regarding uh, you, Captain Jeff, and uh, looking forward to getting to chat with you a little bit today. How about you, Dave? Doing great. Doing great. Just just winding down. No more hunting, so got to get back to work, you know, but it's all good. Your marriage survived. Marriage survived another long season, the Pacific Flyway, yes. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. PR work after hunting season. And uh, yeah, but it's paying off. She neck by next season. She'll forget again. Yeah. How long the season is. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Jeff, they tell us that that 107 day season in Pacific flyway uh, is the destruction of many a marriage. So that's what we're alluding to there. Yeah. Highest right. rate among the flyways from what I hear. But, uh, yeah, yeah, it's the uh, yeah. It, it's a good thing here. They just reduced the uh, sea duck season from 107 days, to only 60 days now. So it does 60 wow. days does fly by pretty quick. Pretty That's quick. quite a drastic cut. Is that due to uh, numbers of sea ducks then? Uh, that yeah, they're they're very yeah. slow to reproduce, and there's more and more interest uh, you know each season on, on on sea ducks. They reduce the bag limit also, so they're just kind of being a little, you know, a little restrictive and just uh, kind of more of to take care of the, you know, the resource itself. And um, sure. I think, you know, ult- ultimately it probably is a good thing. So uh, we'll see how it all shakes out. Hmm. Yeah. And speaking of sea duck and sea duck hunting, um, you know, uh, for those of you out there listening, Captain Jeff Coates runs Pit Boss Waterfowl. He also is a quite the public figure and personality on Instagram. And uh, Jeff, why don't you tell us a little bit about what you do and type of waterfowling that you're involved in over there on the East Coast? Yeah, well, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, um, I've been guiding full-time since 1999. And um, in the beginning, just really took took advantage of, of a 107-day season of birds that, that uh, really weren't targeted that much here locally and is a bird that's uh, on, or bird, I should say, that's on many people's bucket list. So, uh, you know, you got to be, I know, there's, I know there's some sea ducks show up, you know, th- th- throughout all the states, but you really got to be on the on the saltwater on the East Coast or the West Coast to, to really see, you know, big numbers of them. So I've been fortunate over the years to uh, be able to do this full time. And um, Again, with the reduced season, uh, the only 60 days, I, uh, I've been actually fishing, uh, guiding fishing more, a commercial fish license. And, uh, you know, the month of February here is very short, so it flies by really, really quickly for me. And uh, we jump right into fishing as soon as March gets here. Uh, water needs to warm up a little bit for us, and then we're good to go, you know, really all the way through, uh, through the duck season. So, mm. uh, Jeff, have you personally experienced uh, a decline in the migration numbers of sea ducks this year? 
Um, I don't know that there's a decline in numbers, um, but I definitely know I see more and more people doing it. And um, and now there is more of an official opening date. There, there was a, 107 days that opened October 1st, and that, that was way, you know, way too early. Uh, but now, you know, in Maryland, it was November 4th. And it's definitely, you know, there, there's definitely a lot of interest, uh, you know, guys, younger guys that have not done it before. And especially uh, when regular ducks are, are regular uh, ducks, the 60-day season is broke up into three splits. So when regular ducks is not open and or if it's been a poor duck season here in Maryland, um, you know, the thing to turn to is, uh, you know, guys want to shoot their guns and, and um, you know, see ducks a lot of times is the answer there for that. So I see. I see. Now that's not an easy sport as far as, you know, the duck hunting. I mean, it seems to me you need a lot of specialized equipment, a lot of gear, if you want to do it right. Yeah, you do. I mean, you, uh, there's some places that you can, you can do it safely and, uh, you know, maybe not, you know, in quotes, not as quite big of water. Um, but generally, uh, you know, daily, I, I, I find myself out on the ocean as long as the wind's not blowing, you know, blowing too strong. Wind makes waves here. And, uh, you know, day, day in and day out, you know, get right out there in the ocean and, uh, I do have to say, in January, when it's cold, the, the ocean is a lonely place. There's not too many more people out there. So, yeah, and big plus to sea duck hunting. You don't have to worry about uh, lack of water, you know, like we do in Utah. No. In our- <laughs> 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 you can't blame it on a drought. No, definitely sure. not. But, but now, Jeff, sea duck hunting, I know, isn't all that you do. Um, as a matter of fact, I've been following you for a long time. I can remember. Uh, your old television series, Duck Dogs and Decoys, D3 was one of my favorites. And, you know, you do a lot of different things. One, one of the coolest episodes that I can remember, uh, you were doing something that you guys call body booting for Canada geese. Yes, body booting is, uh, I was born in the town of Havity Grace, in Maryland there, and the Susquehanna River comes down. Uh, actually, the Susquehanna River, I'm going to ramble a little bit here, but Susquehanna River starts in upstate New York, runs all the way through Pennsylvania, and when it enters Maryland, right at Havity Grace, that's the headwaters of the Chesapeake Bay. And um, you get all that sediment that runs down, and, and the Susquehanna Flats itself is a very shallow piece of water. Uh, you, have to, you have to dredge the channel uh, to keep, you know, be able to let the barges get up in through there. But, um, I mean, on low tide, there's some places that, you know, it's, it's flat out, you know, the, the mud's, you know, it's mud. There is no water. So the the... The style of body booting allows you to actually, the true way to do it is to get in a one-piece survival suit so you actually can submerge yourself in the water. Um, you know, basically, even with ducks, guys are still gunning over a, uh, a big Canada goose rig, and you have your own personal uh, gun stand as a, a silhouette, a big goose silhouette that pivots. And um, you're just, uh, it's a very effective way. Um, you know, after 1935, when they outlawed the sink boxes there on the flats and, and you know, in the United States, um, guys are trying to come up with a way to to still be, you know, a very effective way of uh, you know, harvesting waterfowl, and body booting is is uh, is one of the ways that's it's still done today. Oh, that's interesting. So it become part of your spread essentially. Basically, you're standing right in the decoys. Yeah. Right in the decoys. Yeah. Yeah. It reminds me. I don't know if you guys remember, but I don't know. 15 years ago, remember those goose suits? Yeah, They're I do. A goose suit. I mean, wings. You know, full body suits. And you get out in your field spread and see geese at a distance, and you start dancing around the decoys, flapping your wings. I'm not kidding. This is real. When I worked at Browning, there are actually guys that bought these goose suits. I thought they were crazy. I still think they're crazy. Yeah. <laughs> the first time I ever saw one, I thought the guy was dressed up for Halloween. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but it's crazy the links that we'll go to 
to kill a dead gum duck or a goose. I mean, you know, I, the bodybuilding deal where you're standing there, you know, in the wetsuit uh, as part of the spread, you know, goose suits. Uh, when I first started going to Canada over 20 years ago, we hunted Canada geese out of something called a goose chair. And you were on the ground in this chair that had this huge uh, Canada goose shell that you pulled down like you're blind to cover you in little slots cut in the top of the shell that you could actually see out of. And you know, when the geese would come in, you'd flip up your shell and, and raise up and shoot. Personally, I thought that was pretty effective. Uh, I still like the idea of the goose chair. Not many people use them anymore, but you know, uh, one of the craziest things that I've ever seen that works is cow silhouettes for sneaking on snow geese have you ever seen that jeff you know what i'm talking about i, I do I, I have seen those here yes how yeah, about I you Dave? herders of cabela's used to sell those cow silhouettes i think i remember seeing them yeah yep so did max prairie wings yeah i can remember several years ago we had a huge bunch of geese on a field on a farm that we had uh that we were hunting that year and one day we're in max and they had one of these big cow silhouettes it was a black and white Holstein heifer and they bought this cow silhouette and two guys got behind it and the premise is you turn the silhouette so it's facing the geese and you just walk behind it because they're not afraid of cattle and we sat back and watched these guys get within probably 20 yards of 5,000 snow geese of course as you can imagine when they threw the silhouette down and started shooting it was pure carnage but you know i don't know maybe it's maybe it's too much pride but i, I just couldn't bring myself you know <laughs> the lack of dignity to sneak up <laughs> on a bunch of damn snow geese behind the cow silhouette but people do it. the line somewhere you know but i heard those are <laughs> they're, they're more effective if you have to actually make some noise you got to move behind it you know while you're moving up you know? <laughs> <laughs> there you go that, that completely <laughs> fooled me. There you go. <laughs> yeah, I know. Personally, I, I got, you know, I, I don't know. I got to hold my respect to somewhat my, uh, my, my credibility, you know, draw the line. If I was to do that, I wouldn't tell anybody about it. <laughs> you know, my buddy Rob Croom says that that lulling no lowing noise from a cow is the same sound that a canvas back makes. <laughs> you know, Rob, owner at Golden Circle Marine, one of our dealers. I, I don't know if it's true or not, because I sure as heck have never heard that. <laughs> there's a, there's a spot over here we got for the, uh, sorry, go ahead. Uh, those cans do make, uh, you know, weird, I, I'd agree. They, they do make uh, noise, not quite like a quack. I've heard them. I'm sure you have too, Jeff. But, uh, there's a, oh, yeah, there's a spot. Say there, yeah, there's a spot here in town where um, they get fed quite often. Very wild birds, but they're kind of tamed to the spot. And yeah, they almost uh, kind of give me the. If I had to describe it, I'd say like if you ever heard a bunch of pigeons roosted up somewhere, cooing is is kind of the. Uh, they, they they are very vocal. Yes. You know that's right. I'd forgotten after. Uh, after uh, Lake Catahoula in Louisiana, Chesapeake Bay is the second largest wintering ground in in the in North America for canvasbacks, isn't it? Uh, there's, there's a lot of them here for sure. I mean, it's the Chesapeake Bay, the, it's the largest uh, estuary in North America. It's, it's you know really in Maryland and Virginia. Um, it's, it's, a, it's a big body of water for sure. 
Yeah, that's, I, I believe I'm correct on that. I'll look it up to see, but I, I think that uh, Canvasbacks, their number one wintering ground is in Louisiana there at Lake Catahoula, and number two would be Chesapeake Bay. And that's really where market hunting for cans developed, isn't it, Jeff? Really is, and I, when you said about the large wintering numbers, I know there's some older books that the uh, they have at Grace Equi Museum. Right at the turn of the century, they'll tell you from October to April that on the Chesapeake Bay, Maryland, Virginia, that there was 10,000 canvas backs a day killed, and um, it was in the it was in the heart you know heart of the of the big number of birds, and uh, the guys were doing it for a living. I mean, they sold what they shot, they sold. So. Have you seen uh, canvas back coming? I mean, I've read about the Chesapeake Bay coming back with water quality, vegetation. Have you are you seeing more canvas back using that area? Yeah, I mean, it's um, it, it's been it's been good over to really the past uh, I'd say easily to twenty years. What you know, the, the canvas, canvas back season was closed here for quite a while uh, through through the nineties, and then uh, it, they slowly opened it up. Uh, I think it was a one week, like a Saturday was Saturday to a Saturday season the, the first year. And, uh, you know, now over uh, the past 20 years or so now, it's basically, you know, canvas backs open to, you know, every day of the season. But, um, yeah, the numbers numbers are good. And, and um, certain areas on the bay, you'll find them. Uh, you know, the old-timers, is, Donald Hughes is, is dead and passed away now, but he, he was kind of my mentor back in the day. And they called them river ducks. These, these were, these were um, you know, birds that they, they roost out on the bay at night, but they would be up in the rivers feeding on vegetation. Um, more almost some freshwater. You know, the, the Chesapeake Bay is a, a, a mix, a brackish mix of freshwater and saltwater. And the further you get up in the rivers, uh, it's very much, you know, mm -hmm. very much freshwater. And uh, they would refer to all, really all diving ducks as, as river ducks. Well, I, I could see why they demanded such a high value in the market. You know, a few years ago, I did a little experiment. I plucked a mallard, pintail, widgeon, canvasback, roasted. All four ducks, and without question, canvas bag. I mean, it was it was the best of the for real. Ducks. Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. Even my kids are agree. They they love the canvas bag. They get excited every time I shoot a canvas bag. No, but yeah, most definitely, you notice the difference. They are, you know, just a you know, no gamey flavor whatsoever. You know, I cooked them all the same. I put them in the oven, five hundred degrees for about twenty five minutes. And they come out nice and pink and uh, you know, nice crispy skin. Well, I'm getting hungry right now talking about it. <laughs> but no, the canvas back hands down were, were the best of those, of those four different species. Do you like yeah. to eat them, Jeff? I do, man. They're a good freshwater duck. I was over years uh, very fortunate to be up in, in, um, on, right on the um, Delta Marsh. And uh, you know, they're a very freshwater bird that, that's eating, eating vegetation. A um, little bit different than our sea ducks we got here. So yeah, speaking of sea ducks, what's uh, I imagine that's uh, quite a challenge in cooking sea ducks. I know they got a little tougher skin. Um, you know, I don't know the, the you know. Tell me about what what are your secrets on cooking sea ducks? Hey Jeff, do you I marinate them in Crown Royal Black? <laughs> <laughs> Anything is good in Crown Royal Black. <laughs> but uh, the the, uh, the number one thing I think with sea ducks. Especially, scoter are very edible ducks. Uh, old squall, you know, maybe not so much, but but scoter are. Um, you know, when you breast them out, you got to get all the fat off of them. I think it's their, you know, the, the fat contains a lot of that negative taste. And um, I don't, I don't think freezing them dry, you know, dry. You got to freeze them at the very least, freeze them in a ziploc with water, if not buttermilk. And um, you know, they're not. They they are a darker. They are a darker, you know, a, a darker meat bird for sure. Um, but they are very edible. And often uh, guys prepare them and they're, they're, they'll get back with me and tell me that they're kind of shocked at 
you know, they taste they taste as good as, as what they did. So um, they're they're uh, really here, really pretty much everywhere. They're they're concentrating on clams and mussels. So they got they got to swallow their their food whole uh, and crush them inside, and that's that's pretty much you know ninety nine percent of their of their of their diet is uh, is, is is clams and mussels shellfish. Okay. Wow, that's very interesting. You know, it's funny you say that about the fat too. Uh, we uh, you know, we got really good friends over at Camp Chef, and we talk about cooking on here a whole heck of a lot. And of course, the Camp Chef official chef uh, Scott Lightsath, he made me a convert a few years ago to leaving the fat on my puddle ducks. You know, most of the time. I mean, I'm generally I utilize every piece of that duck when I process it and cook it and the fat's a big component. So on the sea ducks, that's just the opposite. You want to get rid of all that. I believe so. Yes, I really do. Cool stuff. I can't wait to come over there and shoot some of them with you next year and try it. Get over here and do it. Let's do it, man. Yeah, man, I've got to. And I'll tell you, I'm really excited about another development. And of course, this is a big reason why Dave and I have uh, Jeff on here today. Um, Jeff, you're about to be, or you are now joining the Excel Boats family as a member of our pro staff, man. Welcome aboard. Glad to have you. Yes, welcome. We're guys, excited. Thank, yeah, guys, thank you very much. Uh, Karen, my wife, and I are both very excited about this. She does a lot of fishing with me, and um, we're, we're looking to see if we can't wear out a fishing boat this year. Cool. So what are we sending over that way, Dave, for him? Well, we're waiting for Jeff to decide, actually, on what particular model yeah we're looking at uh, you know a fishing boat obviously um and perhaps you know a shallow water duck boat later this fall but uh, uh what what uh, boat are you leaning towards jeff i know you've done some research and looked at a few stop by a local dealer yeah yeah, yeah. the uh bay pro i think uh i think the bay pro is what we're looking at for fishing um it, you know i have not seen one one in person yet but it's it just looking over the specs and and uh, everything i've seen it online it looks like it's really set up nice to to do to do fishing, the freshwater or saltwater fishing. And um, like I said, Karen loves. She's probably. I love to fish. She might. She might be a little bit more of a fisher fisherman, fisherwoman than myself. She 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 lives to go fishing. So um, once once the water gets a little bit warmer here, uh, mid March or so, again we can fish. We fish all all through really all right up to duck season again. So great. Yeah, I think the bait would be an excellent choice. You know that boat is a very versatile boat. Um, yeah, it's got a 14 degree dead rise, so it'll take on some considerable chop out there in Chesapeake Bay. Yet it drafts in you know 10 inches of water. Um, has a performance pad hull, gets on step quick, nice dry ride. I've had a lot of people comment you know, if they were put on a blindfold, they'd swear they're driving a, a glass boat. So really smooth, stable ride. I, I think uh, that'll be a perfect choice for you. Probably the 220 Bay Pro. And actually, we're working on a 23-foot model right now. We're uh, in the development stages of that boat. You know, a little longer and wider boat will accommodate a little larger motor. I got to get it in camo, though. That, that's possible, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, definitely. You know, we have a, we have a good dealer in uh, North Carolina, Performance East, and uh, far majority of their boats, they sell bay boats, are camo. Um, you know, the Optifade Marsh, Optifade Timber. <clears throat> yeah, so a lot of demand for camel bay boats, surprisingly. I mean, they're big yeah. fishing boats, but a lot of people will use them, uh, you know, in the fall for hunting as well. Yeah, that new 23-foot model with the higher sides could really be, in a camo model, a uh, 
a double duty rig. And I'll tell you, I, I've got to disagree with something that you just said. Dave, you know, a lot of people think that they ride as well as a glass boat. I disagree. I think that my Bay Pro 203, when things are rough, is a much smoother ride than a comparable glass boat. It just doesn't seem to pound on it as hard. Um, Jeff, I'll run a Bay Pro 203 with a 144 stroke Suzuki. And I'll tell you what, if you're looking for one of our fishing models, you can't go wrong with that center console Bay Pro. And uh, really, really easy to get around. Carol, uh, Karen will love the, the seat on the front of the console also. Man, on a hot day, it's a great place to sit back, stretch your legs out, and just ride. Super, super smooth ride. And um, I fished in mine. We, we crappie fish, bass fish, um, speckle belly trout, or speckle trout, speckle bellies. I'm coming off a of duck season. <laughs> speckle trout and redfish down in the bays uh, around Lake, in Lake Charles, Louisiana. And also, uh, we went back in November to Mobile Bay and had a great time. I'm actually planning a trip here in a few weeks with it uh, to the Outer Banks of North Carolina to do some fishing over there. So you'll like that Bay Pro a lot, Jeff. Awesome. I'm looking forward to running just off the beach and uh, get some pictures of us holding some shark in it, doing a little shark fishing off, off of one. That'd be awesome. We'll get some mileage out of that. I don't think we have any photos of an, a shark in an Excel boat. <laughs> Can I come? We're going to work on it. Especially yeah, like a 2,000 pound great white or something like you get those. <laughs> <laughs> not just no, but hell no. I don't oh, my, that's not asked for much. They get some big great whites up there. <laughs> hey, I've caught some big shark, but I don't want anything to do with a shark that's as big as the boat that I'm in. I did see Jaws when I was a kid, and that has stuck <laughs> with me. Okay. <laughs> I think it's stuck with all of us, Matt. My brother wouldn't take a sh we he wouldn't take a bath after watching Jaws. Seriously. <laughs> For about a month. I I'm not kidding. It's serious, man. He wouldn't get in the water, not even a bathtub. <laughs> you know, when it started so great with the skinny dipper, you know, at the beginning. Yeah. You know, as a as a as a teenager watching the movie, I thought this is gonna be great, you know, right up until the point where the dead gum shark, you know. <laughs> Ate her and they found what her leg and that was it you know? <laughs> so you see great whites over there jeff yeah there's uh there's a uh the the, the app name is is like uh, staten right now but to get on it's uh ocean research something something but anyway they put the transmitters on their on their uh, dorsal fin and they it's it's not in the sense of like a gps where they can see them daily but when that when the then and the, the transmitter breaks the surface of the water, they, they call it a ping. And um, you can get on there and see the maps of, there was right on right in behind Ocean City, uh, I guess it's been three summers ago now, um, there was a, a, uh, a great white ping. She was 14 feet long and I think they said 2,100 pounds. Um, but, you know, in very shallow water that, that uh, it does make you think of the movie Jaws for sure. So there's, there's, it's the ocean, man. There's some big stuff out there, so. Yeah. Golly. Hmm. What do you catch mainly when you're shark fishing? Uh, you, you, we hang chum over and, uh, you know, the sharks show up pretty quickly to the chum. Uh, you'll get some other fish, there'll be some smaller, smaller, smaller fish, but a uh, blue, blue fish is another fish that will uh, really get attracted to the chum. But generally with shark fishing, you're, you're catching shark, or at least that's what, that's what's in the chum at least, you know? Mm -hmm. what, what, what type of shark? Sand shark, nurse, hammerhead? Uh, 
Yeah, it's really uh, we we tried real hard last year. Um, when, when the water is uh, at May, May through early June, we really we really want to really want to kill a mako. Mako is awesome eating shark, and um, looks looks very similar to a great white. Great white, it's smaller. It is an illegal fish to kill. And um, but the great the, the mako move up through is with the uh, with the thrasher shark. They've got a big long tail on them. Um, they're kind of kind of big big barreled. Um, fish bodied fish that have a real long tail on them but both uh, both mako and thrasher are very very good to eat uh, really the rest of the shark um but i take a lot of family trips kids kids catching uh you know 36 to 40 48 inch uh um black tips and and atlantic shark nose shark um you know a light tackle is great it's 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 you know awesome action and plus at the end of it all when we get them in it's, it's, a, it's a shark that the kids can hold their picture with them and we put them back in the water and, and let them go so, so most of most of the shark fishing is catch and release oh wow that's neat nice. i'm dead serious about that i i want to i want to come over when you get your boat and go out and do that that would be something uh really neat and unique for us to share get some good content there and and you know that's a new use for the new, new excel bay pro shark yeah, most hey. definitely i have to put that in our catalog yeah. great for shark fishing but, yeah, mid, mid mid summer shark fishing again on light tackle, it, it's a blast. And again, like it's uh, you know, you can catch you can catch thirty or forty of them in a couple hours. Honestly, it's one once you know they they're very they're very hungry fish, and once they find a chum, you know it's on. And they're good fighters too, don't they? Uh, get airborne quite often. They jump a lot. Oh, uh, they they make a very much. The make those, yeah. Yep. That's fun. What's your bread and butter fish uh, then, um, as far as you know, through guiding? I know you mentioned uh, you start up in March. What is your? Uh, well, I know you're in the ocean, as you said. You, you know, you can catch anything yeah, yeah. in the ocean. But what is your uh, primary or bread and butter uh, fish they go after for guiding? Well, the, er the early season, uh, we call them rockfish in Maryland, but it's striped bass, and they they are a migratory fish. They they migrate from um, you know from North Carolina. They come up in Chesapeake Bay and spawn. Um, there's in mid-April. There's a trophy season where they will allow you to, to catch catch the you know the, the big big rockfish. The big rockfish or a big striped bass here would be in you know the 50 pound range. Um, but uh, you know March waters here, March April May, um, the smaller striped bass. Uh, the, there's a good bluefish run. They kind of they all migrate up up the coast as the water warms. And then our flounder, which would be uh, more of a like a, a, a east coast halibut a flat flatfish it lays on the bottom white sided it's kind of a camo top to them both both eyes are on the same same side of the fish um that's pretty much the bread and butter all through summer um again we'll we'll, we'll do some running out the, just off the beach mile three miles uh to do uh, to do some shark fishing and then as the water cools again um you know the striped bass the striped bass run again as they migrate south uh, usually through december is when the Kind of interferes with my sea ducks, but that's when the uh, the the big mass of um, striped bass that have been wintering in New England they're headed back to North Carolina to start start the cycle all over again. So, really, you know, January and February are pr pretty much the months that uh, you know, fishing is slow. But once once we get to March, March through or through December, there's there's always something to do as far as fishing goes here. That's cool. Well, listen, Jeff, if somebody wanted to book a, a fishing trip with you or a hunt this fall, how do they contact you? Where do we find you? The easiest way is my, truthfully, these days is my phone. It's on, on me all the time. It's my phone number is 410-937-4034. 
extra talk it's always on and uh or you can hit the web pages pitboss p-i-t-b-o-s-s fishing.com and uh pitbosswaterfowl.com easy to find and your handle on instagram at pitbosswaterfowl at pitbosswaterfowl i know uh, i follow you as do a whole ton of other okay. folks thank you thank you i mean i just we like that karen and i like to have fun and and that's you know that's what we try to portray just uh you know, just we just we just enjoy what we do. Well, I tell you what, man, I've been watching you for a while now, and it does look like you have a, a really good time. And I love your attitude; never anything negative, always super positive in the post. And you have know, a lot of success. I know I see you hunting a lot with with uh, younger hunters, also, uh, you know, children, teenagers, spending a lot of time with your wife. I personally last Monday just celebrated my 25th wedding anniversary, so. Uh, made it through another duck season and congratulations uh, yeah that's great <laughs> yeah january the 29th uh, um, you know when we got married 25 years ago federal law required that the uh, duck season end nationwide by the third sunday of january so hell i thought if i got married on january the 29th i had it made and then you know <laughs> thanks to trent lott uh and i'm glad he did it but you know thanks to the efforts of trent lott and some other southern duck hunters that law was changed and now it can extend until the 31st of january so there have been a couple of years when my anniversary still fell uh during the duck season luckily that's this so year funny. us hunters think alike that's the first thing that came to my mind why would you get married during duck season yeah. <laughs> that's the reason why it wasn't duck season then luckily this year it was january the 28th was the closing date so i was actually home and duck season was over for my anniversary but you know as, as a family man jeff i have a great deal of appreciation and admiration for that and i think the stuff that you're doing out there is really cool i'm excited about the prospect of coming out and fishing with you and, and hunting with you. The only thing is, uh, can I bring some, some really good Tennessee whiskey or do I have to stick with the crown Royal black when I come? Uh, well, you know, we, you might be able to talk us into, into a little bit of Tennessee. Yes. We, we've got a couple of pretty good distilleries around here that make some decent stuff. Anyway, I'll bring a little bit with me when I come. That sounds like a plan. All right, buddy. Well, man, uh, it was great having you on the show here with us today. Always entertaining. I look forward to having you back again really, really soon. Um, Dave, thank you for stepping up and filling in for our buddy Rocky LaFleur. Rocky today happens to be, folks, at a 4-H goat show. So <laughs> I'm not sure what that's all about, but Rocky's with his kids showing goats today. So we're going to give him a pass and uh, – on not being here with us today but as always dave you're great filling in appreciate that well, we'll have to get details on this goat show in the next podcast <laughs> you know i've been to a couple of goat ropings but i ain't never been to a goat <laughs> show how about you i want to hear more about that one a yep. amen well man that's super we'll, we'll stay in touch with you jeff and, and get you on again soon and uh, dave again thanks for helping and you're welcome on behalf of Dave and Jeff and the rest of us here at Excel Boats and Dud Buddy Motors, appreciate all you guys for tuning in today to this edition of the Excel Boats on that podcast powered by Mud Buddy.